today and today you are listening to the Better You Project. If this is your first time uh, listening to my podcast, I have a weekly uh, podcast where I post three times. On Mondays I interview, I do interviews, so I interview people that I think are interesting. Uh, on Wednesdays we do a fitness related episode and Fridays is a business related episode. So uh, you're obviously tuning in on Monday. On today's podcast, I was lucky enough to have a chat with Tom Davey from South Coast BJJ and MMA. Uh, Tom is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt uh, based here in Adelaide, and um, he also has quite a successful YouTube channel, which is actually how I first uh, stumbled ap- stumbled across uh, Tom. Uh, I was lucky enough to, get to have the chance to sit down and chat to him today uh, through my friend um, JD. So... Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you do enjoy today's podcast and you are interested in finding out about more interesting people, uh, you know, every Monday, tune in. If you have suggestions for people that you'd like me to interview here in SA, um, I'm always open to that. So uh, if you can find me on Instagram at the Better You Project Podcast, just send me a DM and, um, you know, I'd love to go out there and, and do some of those interviews. Um, so yeah, I won't waste your time anymore. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Tom and JD as a co-host. And um, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Anyway, guys, take care and peace. Um, all right. uh, do you drink coffee, Tom? Heck yes. I just ran out before I got here. I was devastated. I was actually kind of hoping... John would bring something for us. That would have been nice, John. You know, I'm such a shit bloke because not only did I say I'm coming late and come late, I come in with a coffee. <laughs> no. <laughs> I only learned that there were like levels to coffee aficionado Like when John, I was like, let's meet at a coffee place as opposed to having coffee at my place. And he's like, I don't drink this shit. I'm not going to this crappy coffee place. He actually has like a snooty yeah. coffee taste. Well, you- no, you're not a snob, are you? No, I'm not. I, I like all coffee. I don't. I've I seen don't, a couple of your stories. Yeah, getting coffee I don't, from. I don't discriminate. Shit places. Yeah, yeah. This isn't that good, to be honest. Yeah, but I, it was I just can't easy. be talking, mate. What's yeah. this you got? Bex not renowned for a coffee. Yeah. No. Hopefully she's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, how do you take your coffee, Tom? Uh, uh normal, I guess. Just. <laughs> What's normal? Wine. We live in 2021. This is a white belt of coffee. Yeah, I am. I am. <laughs> Not even I'm, a white hold belt. On, hold on, four stripe white belt. All right. I've no. been out of the while. I may never <laughs> yeah, get true. my blue. Yeah. Um, so we're sitting here um, in your. Uh, how, do you, how do you call it? How do you refer to it? Studio, uh, uh, club, academy, uh, academy. Gym. Dojo, what's the correct Probably term? Not dojo. He, he calls it dojo <laughs> all the time. Yeah, it's dojo in the sense yeah. of yeah. <laughs> uh, How long have you been in this location for? Uh, I reckon we've been here since about 2014 or something. Um, I've been teaching out of just within 100 metres of where we are for since, oh God, I mean, 2000 and maybe uh, eight or something. But here, I think since then. So yeah, we jumped around a bit, but here we are in our humble abode. That's cool. Do you like? Do you like it? Does this get really hot? Does this get cold? There's a the big ass air conditioner behind me, so that helps. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be more uh, vulnerable in the weather because it's just a big rectangular shed. In case you haven't noticed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. no, no. This, I'm I'm very comfortable in these sort of environments. Oh, okay. This, this is, yeah, this exactly. Is, this is what CrossFit gyms are all about. Well, this is this would make a great CrossFit gym. Yeah. I don't know if I prefer the tin or the like a smooth concrete finish to my warehouses. You're a bit fancy about I'm your coffee, so I think you'll be fancy about the concrete. Walls. I like be both, better, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be Depends better? what look you're looking. It's easy to put stuff on the wall, like to hook your rigs yeah. into and stuff. But um, yeah, I don't know. I like them both. There yeah. you go. Wow. There you go. <laughs> Might so turn this into a CrossFit gym. <laughs> yeah. yeah Jiu-Jitsu sucks. So, so how, did, how, did, how did you come into Jiu-Jitsu? Uh, oh, it's just like a typical, probably a typical martial art coach story, to be honest. Like, I was really a small kid. Um, I think I was a, I was at least a year younger than all my classmates. My mum just lied about my age to get me into school. I got stitched up with that. You got that too? Yeah. And they put me back a year. Oh, really? See, I never got, if I got put back a year, it would have been a good story because at least I would have yeah. been the same age. So I was always a s- smaller and uh, I don't know, probably was just a, a little bit of a smart ass or something and, uh, you know get beat up all the time and stuff had a pretty rough growing up and so after a while it's like i better start winning some of these fights so mm. 
had to uh, do normal martial arts. So I started out, you know, Thai boxing and stuff as a kid and everything like that and some traditional martial arts too. But, you know, you're getting a punch on and you're like, that wasn't as one-sided as I hoped. Yeah. And then once I found jiu-jitsu and saw in 1993 when Hoist did his uh, thing when I was a kid um, and I saw him, this skinny Brazilian guy, beating up all these dudes, I was like, all right. I'm kind of more like that guy than these guys, and yeah. he's beaten them, so that must mean, you know, jujitsu is the shit. So I got into it, and I just loved it. So I would finish my like Muay Thai classes in the city when I was a kid, and I would stay for a couple hours. Like we didn't know what it was called; we called it wrestling because pro wrestling was the closest thing we thought to it. Yeah. But like pro, you know, wrestling after, and then my coach said, "You know, this is a thing. It's called BJJ. You know, you should get into it." and so then I started doing my trips over to Melbourne and stuff and started like my love of it. And that's when, uh, yeah, and here we are now, you know, all those years later, I sort of fell into teaching. I always loved teaching. I just wanted to help my friends get better because if they got better, I'd get better. But now, obviously, it's my career. Um, but I love it. Like, I get up every day and give thanks that I get to do this as a job. Yeah. Can, can I take you back to so when you're doing the jujitsu first up, you're doing it at the Muay place? Uh, well, yeah, so it was a, like a, one of the first mixed martial arts gyms yeah. like, that we sort of had here in Adelaide. So was there a coach um, there? There had? was. There yeah. was a coach. But like, For I mean, well, to give you an idea, I mean, we would have been able to write on one hand everything we knew about jiu-jitsu. So you had an armbar, yeah. had like a footlock, had like a heel hook, a triangle, rear naked choke, guillotine. That's probably all we knew. I'm happy with just that. <laughs> yeah. that well, we don't always we don't all have you know bodies like yours, John, <laughs> that we can just rip rip anything on where we want. So yep. some of us skinnier guys, we have to learn a few more techniques. Yeah, definitely. But um, but yeah, so I always loved it, just enjoyed it. Um, and so then I just got into it, and I guess because then when I went down the university path, I was used to studying for hours a day, so it was totally normal for me to spend four, five, six hours a day just yeah. watching, learning. Um, and I guess I soon realized that most guys don't do that. So were but you watching stuff on the internet or books? or? Yeah, like books. Yeah. I mean, early internet days, like even pre-YouTube days, yeah. where it was like Daily Motion and stuff. And just getting as many videotapes and like VHS <laughs> and DVDs when they yeah. came out, obviously. You know, you'd be able to order them from magazines and stuff. And, uh, and then just training, training, training. And um, yeah, so then, and here we are. And I was lucky like to find some really good coaches. So within Australia, I had John Will, who was like a really instrumental coach for me. And then he was the first Australian black belt. He was one of the first 12 non-Brazilian black belts. So he got it over there? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. got it when he was in America. Okay, um, yeah. But so he would travel to Brazil and then travel to America. And then uh, the brothers who he got his black belt from is now my coach today, so yeah. Carlos Machado. So I've always had really good mentors. And, but just we live in the information age, and I was just a nerd. Like, that's all. You know, yeah. I was just a nerd for it. Yes, I love wrestling. Yes, I love jiu-jitsu. I was tired of, like, getting hassled and not having confidence. But ultimately, I just loved jiu-jitsu, and I was happy to spend four, five, six hours a day studying it. And if you just do that for 10 years, you've probably looked at more jiu-jitsu than most people will look at in their lives. Um, so I still continue to study every day in jiu-jitsu, um, although these days I'm less accumulating. Like, I obviously always want to keep up to current, but I'm more like trimming the tree, like refining, you know, yeah. getting back to what are the best things to do for everyone most of the time. Something that I've noticed in, like, the jiu-jitsu community, which I think is uh, probably, like, a great skill to have that you can probably transfer to other things is how do you keep that passion going for so many years? Because I've seen this, you know, me and you probably have seen so many people go through, uh, like, the functional fitness world, and I don't see that fire last for most people, the 10-year mark, like, in the way that I've seen it last for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I know a couple of reasons why. One, I think the belt... Yeah, the reaching that pinnacle. Yeah, I don't, for me, it's not about belts, obviously. Of course but not. <laughs> that, like, if there was something in CrossFit that was similar, like when you've been doing it for two years, you get some, I don't know, stripe on your shirt or something. I think you'd probably find it stays around a little bit longer. But I don't know. What do you think? I I think that's kind of dead. I I think that probably does have a lot to do with it. I mean, jujitsu is weird because compared to traditional martial arts, where you're getting graded, you know, every month or something, you got yeah. years between your gradings. Um, but it's still there. Yeah. So it's still there. So you're a white belt trying to get to a blue, to a purple, to a brown, to a black, and then degrees on the black too. But I do think that has something to do with it. But I always think there's something else to learn. Like, uh, for instance, if we look at the functional fitness landscape, which you gentlemen are really uh, proficient in, you know, 
there's so much to learn about a snatch or anything or programming, etc. But ultimately, like knowing that little detail will increase. But there's going to be a point where after a few years, if I've got a good coach, if you guys coach me all the time, that I'm going to have it pretty much down. We'll be able to improve it slightly, but I'm not going to add 50 kilos onto my snatch because you're like, hold your ring finger slightly looser. Yep. And I think in jiu-jitsu, those things continue well past black belt to the point where like information radically and drastically transforms your performance ability and that never stops. So it's not like you just get to blue belt and go like, all right, I know all of jiu-jitsu. I didn't even think I knew jiu-jitsu when I was a black belt. Like I think I still not even close to understanding mm -hmm. it and I don't think I ever will in my life. So I think between rankings, which giving you that little carrot out in front of you, yeah. you've got the fucking stick behind you. Excuse my language, but you've got the stick. Sorry. You're not allowed to swear on this. This is PG. Kids. <laughs> yeah. All right, you can beat that out. But you've got the, the stick behind you. You've always got these young guys and girls yeah. ready to come up and like try to wrestle you, <laughs> choke your neck. And so for me, I don't know whether uh, jiu-jitsu is just easier to stick with. Um, I think for me, how do I maintain my passion role? Like, I don't know. I think... It's, it's just there, like it was there. That's why I'm here, you know? I mean, there's always parts of it. Like you, in my academy, as John would tell you, you know, I spend about six months of the hot weather in no gi and then I go into the gi. So it's always changing. You know, we've always got no gi heel hooks. You've always got then the gi cross chokes. So it's always changing like that too. Uh, so I think that's been a big help to me, but I just love it. Like, I don't think I've done anything to keep the love. Like jujitsu keeps loving me, you know. Like that's how I view it. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a that even just that perspective. I think that's something that people really, you know, just having that gratitude about the thing. Um, and you can tell that you love it. Like, I don't want to blow. Feel smoke free. Out your I need. Butt. I need to increase. Like my you ego. can tell that <laughs> in your class that you're legitimately passionate about teaching what you're teaching. And you would have seen it in the CrossFit scene. Like some coaches, you rock up, they don't say hello to you, they don't engage with you. Like they walk past you when you're doing something crap and they won't correct your form or anything because they've just lost that passion or they don't have yeah. it. So it's, it's really good to see you that every class is just that same every time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I, like I said, I get up and I give thanks every day. When I go to sleep, I give thanks. Like just... It's awesome. Like, yeah, you're I love lucky. Jiu -jitsu. You, I shouldn't use the word lucky. You've worked hard to get here, but this is, it's but, a good life. Yeah, but there is some luck involved in anyone's life. And like, I yeah. do consider myself lucky. Yes, I work seven days a week and yeah. I've had businesses before this and everything I worked hard on. But ultimately, like, I am lucky. And I'm lucky to have the people in my academy. This academy was full of dicks. I'd probably turn into that coach that didn't give a shit either. Yeah. But like, with so many wonderful people, we have hundreds of amazing people. Like, how can I not rock up and give my best? Like, they bring it out of me. Like, they have all these awesome people on the mat. If I'm not awesome, like, I'm going to feel like shit, <laughs> you know? Now, before you mentioned about the belts, what, what is your take on belts in jiu-jitsu? Do you think they're uh, a good thing? Or do you, I know this can be a controversial yeah. topic. Well, no. Nah, I mean, I do think they're a good thing because I think I, I don't like them in terms of comparisons. So let's just say, like, what, what belts are we all on this table? Obviously, I'm black belt. Blue belt. I'm a white belt. White belt. Okay, cool. So we're all three belts. All right. So basically saying, well, John needs to beat you every time because you're a white belt. He's a blue belt. I think that's a dumb way to look at belts. Negative for you, negative for him. Uh, likewise, a black belt, I mean, I can let John beat me on the mat. I shouldn't lose a sense of self. Like if he catches me one day, I hope he does. Then that will be a good day for me. I, I, I would love that he has that. So I don't like the comparison of belts. Um, okay. Does a blue belt normally beat a white belt or a black belt, a brown belt? Yes, okay. But I think it just helps you recognize you've grown in yourself. So by the time you make blue, purple, brown, black, it doesn't give a shit about what another academy is grading. We're all under IBJJF. So we all follow the same things. You know, you've got certain months between stripes and years between belts. So we're all grading on the same thing. But it just helps you realize that you've progressed. So if there was a, uh, like we have multiple guys in their 60s and stuff uh, in our academy, now, I don't expect a 50-kilo male that's had seven surgeries who can only train once a week because he's sore for six days afterwards to be able to, as a purple belt, beat all the blue belts that are twice his weight and half his age. 
but will he still one day earn brown? Yes, might take a little bit longer, but of course he needs to have a ranking system because otherwise if he just keeps training and there's no ranking systems, he'll feel like he's getting worse and worse. He's not. He's getting better and better. So I think the ranking system helps us compare ourselves with ourselves. So I like the ranking system. Is there a psychological thing that happens when people receive a different belt? Like they now either feel the part or not feel the part? I think everyone has imposter syndrome. Yeah. I think that goes beyond jiu-jitsu gradings, to be honest. Yeah. But yeah, most people are like, whoa, I wasn't... E th th this is the thing I hear. If I give you a grade, well, wasn't expecting this. You know, that's like everyone says it. But um, I've got my belt in my bag. <laughs> 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 if you want to put a strap on it. Yeah. But yeah, so like some guys, like they, uh, they feel like that imposter syndrome, but I think that's healthy. I think if you were arrogant and you felt like about time, I think that would be negative. For me, you'd probably be displaying character traits that I wouldn't want to grade you if that was the case. How much of it comes down to character when you are thinking about promotion Ooh, of a belt? Uh, pretty massive. I mean, it would be weird. I guess like I grade people that are within my own academy Maybe if I had a wider association, it would be different. But I think who you are on the mats is everything. Like, ultimately, I think you'll be able to judge my students, not now or in the next competition, but in 10 years when we find out, like, what kind of husbands, brothers, mothers, fathers, sisters, you know, employers, employees they were. Like, that's how you should judge. I'm not saying I'm their life coach. That's not my role. But what I am saying is hopefully we foster a group of a community of people that are like good people. You know what I mean? Just good people. They've got work ethic. They've got discipline. They've got humility. They've got like good social skills and stuff. So for me, um, I think personality might be like if we had to break it down, this is arbitrary and I haven't put prior thought into this, but you might say how much you know is maybe 30%. Your ability on the mats 30% and then your character 30% I mean roughly uh, that's just very out there but I would consider those all to be equal you know you could be a monster on the mats but you know you could be a, a total dickhead and I'm not going to grade you for that because like jujitsu takes time but changing your personality, you can just so be a good person. So you're grading not just your skills on the mat. It's everything in life. You want to see a, a huge change in someone. Well, somewhat. I mean, it's not like I'm asking them for financial statements and if I can talk to their significant other to find out how they're behaving at home. <laughs> but, you know, like I want to see certain things. Like, yeah, you want to see a work ethic on the mat. You want to see humility on the mat. You want to see confidence on the mat too. Like it's not all about just being a nice guy. You want to see someone who does go for the kill, who believes in themselves, who comes back stronger every time. Like there are other things that are a little bit more quote unquote like alpha that you're looking for but I'm I am looking t for good people because ultimately like this community is strong because like everyone's in it together so in jiu-jitsu like if I get people that are like thinking too much of themselves or maybe injuring others or not caring about others like I'll kick them out I've done it many times over this last you know 10 years and I don't think I'll do it again because I think our community is just too strong now. We've got too many strong leaders and figureheads in our community for any malfeasance mm -hmm. to, to grow in this gym. I don't know how you keep a tab of it all. Like, you've got heaps of members. And, like, there's new faces every time I come in. Like, how do you know what, where everyone is at? Yeah, well, <laughs> it's hard. I mean, look, you see right in front of me this grading assessment sheet. Yeah. So there's hundreds of State names of on this State of the art technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of this digital stuff. I'm old school. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I look at like every one of those names, every training session. And um, I've got a pretty good photographic memory too. So it's like pretty easy for me to like remember people's names and stuff. So then I basically look out on the mat. I look at my student list and then I'll be able to tell who hasn't been coming, who has been coming. And then I'll be able to like see how everyone's doing. So it's not too hard, but that's why every day or two, probably we have some sort of grading in here, whether it's a stripe on a belt of someone. I mean, a, a belt grading might only be once a month or something, but um, yeah, there's constant grades given out in here because I am constantly thinking of people. Like not a day goes by where I don't run my eyes over the names of my members in my academy. You know, because sometimes you're like, oh, he's fine. He just got a grade, he's doing great. Other times you're like, I need to look out for that person. Like they're gonna need some help getting to the next level or some motivation, or some discipline, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty old school, yeah. So it's just sheet of paper and reading. I like it, because you're a diary man as well, aren't you? Yeah. 
I actually I just got one. Google Calendar. Got just got a diary. I Have you trust this stuff? <laughs> I, I once had a phone calendar and I'm overseas yeah. and something's gone wrong. And all of a sudden I've got like every appointment I've ever had from all my previous years all loaded onto it. And it's like, I was just like, I'm done. Like I'm over this. Like I'm not, I, maybe I'm just like getting too old. I love not that. Trusting technology. I love it. Having it now. Like a hard written, like physical Yeah, because I saw you with it. I used to have one ages ago and then I just, and like, I've got the worst memory. So my wife is always telling me what we have to do. So now I just put it all in that and just every morning open it up and love it. Well, do you know, you like, got me back onto it. Wow. Well, see, I, in my naivety, would have thought that every adult in our society has a diary. And I've, <laughs> I also I'm don't. I have just a person that's really close to me that I use Lauren. I, she's, she's my person. So what you guys yeah. saying is I just need to get a partner. To you need an assistant. No, you just need assistance. What happens if no. you break up with them? This I, is I did. See, I don't still l- my sister. <laughs> did you wake up this morning and Lauren's like, you got to be down at South Coast at 9.30? Some, You're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, some, something like, no, literally. Like today I was like, hey, Lauren, how long is it going to take me to get there? She's like, you need like 50 minutes. Oh, yeah. Good. So I, like I need to just find someone to marry that's like my executive. Yeah. I think Siri eventually will do that for you. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you just tell Siri to do stuff? No, she'll yeah. tell you what to do. Yeah. John, go home. You yeah. go, oh, fuck. <laughs> we don't have a health. <laughs> Siri yeah. and I don't have a healthy relationship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. Drifted off a bit now, there. Now, bef- before you mentioned that you had other businesses before this. Yeah. Yeah. What were they? Um, well, I guess so. To, I have to sort of go back a little bit. So I grew up as a normal, like, middle class kid until I was in, like, primary school. And then, um, my parents had like, you know, a typical nasty sort of separation. So it's sad to say that that's typical, but it is. Um, and they had that. And uh, so basically from that point then, I was like, yeah, we were, I don't know what the poverty line is, but yeah, I only had a, you know, I didn't have a lot, a few sets of clothes and stuff. Like. And so because of that, I guess I was like, well, I want different. And I was lucky because in the neighborhood where I lived, there were a lot of well-to-do people. So while we're in that house, while I lived in that house of that like typical middle-classy, upper-middle-class area, um, it was pretty easy to see who the guys who had financial success and girls, whatever, because um, you could just tell their exotic cars in their driveways. So I just went door knocking and was like, can you like teach me? Like I'm looking for a mentor. Like, And they were like a weird question, but yes. So I was lucky. I had some good mentors that would be like, read this book, come back to me when you finished it. I'd bring them back the next day and they're like, oh, this kid's serious. <laughs> so then they helped me like learn about business and a few different things, which was really valuable for me. Um, and then, so yeah, I started businesses when I was still in school and everything because I was already working like sometimes five, eight-hour shifts or whatever at KFC after school a week and stuff. Like I was working kind of full-time even at school. So... I soon realized that I couldn't just do that. Like I couldn't just earn more if I, if I did that. So I would have to have a business and that might give more money, more time. That would be the plan. Um, and while it took me a lot of time to get more time from my businesses, uh, they did provide more money. So my biggest business uh, that I, I ran was a fire company, which wasn't headquartered far from here. Um, and that was like 10 years. And although over the years, I was able to build up that workload in the construction sector. Um, it was just more stress, more, it sucked. I hated it. I hated it. I hated every bit of success that came from it. Only because success meant stress and time. And I missed the first couple of years of my daughter's life, who's turning 11 uh, this weekend. So that was like a big wake up call for me to like instead do something that I loved and to do something um, that would give me a bit more time and a bit more lifestyle. So I was already teaching jiu-jitsu anyway. So I had the conversation with my partner at the time and I just said, look, this could backfire. I might, because uh, I'd have like, online businesses and I have other businesses now too, but this could backfire. We might end up living in our caravan, like just a heads up. But I think I want to do this. Like I want to teach jiu-jitsu full time. And it was obviously the best decision we've ever made. And now we've built up our academy that uh, gives my family the financial support it needs um, and also gives me a quality of life too. So that's been my business story. It started out more businessy. Now I just roll around with sweaty men and women <laughs> in pajamas or beach attire. It's more fun. Definitely. What, is, what would your day consist of now? Uh, so typically, 
Um, if I teach in the morning, I'll teach in the morning. Otherwise, like have a workout, study jujitsu for a few hours, plan the class plans, whether it's for the next week or that night, depending on where we're at and the learning uh, sort of um, pathway of the month. And then uh, teaching for, say, four hours at night. Um, and then going home and eating, chilling, yep. Netflixing, you know, all the normal stuff. In the yep. spa, or trying to recover. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of like my typical day now. So I don't have any complaints. I'm very grateful for the lifestyle yeah. I have. Doesn't it tough? Yeah, I do. Yeah, <laughs> I do have it tough. Uh, you mentioned like the online. I mean, I have so many. I love business, so I have hundreds of questions now for you. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm this the best now, person to ask. Podcast. Yeah, online businesses. How? That's um. How'd you get into that? Uh, well, I actually had it on because that's business. how I. That's how I like. I uh, found out about you. Like I oh, was okay. watching your YouTube video. Fanboy. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. see. I'm playing I it cool. I'm playing it cool. <laughs> you want to, what's a signature? I'm, I'm like, not, nice to me. What's your name again? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm pretty low on the celebrity list, mate. So you shouldn't be too flabbergasted. Uh, the, I think for me, so I started an online business like, oh, geez. It's a lot of years ago. I don't know, 15 see, years ago. I'm confused. Ago? You have the online business, but you're still doing the sheets of... Yeah, that's separate. <laughs> Online can be business, but I've also had good business partners as well that can do all these smart things yeah, that you guys yeah. know how to do. I'm old school, you know. But <laughs> the uh, so I had one like back in the early days of Amazon. Like, this is this is why I'm saying it's <laughs> a long time ago. Day. Back in the day. Um, I, I had my first online business, which I would just, I loved reading books. So I would read a book, I would write a book review, and I'd put a little link that said, buy this book. Um, from here, you get 10% off or something, but then I'd get like a commission through the uh, Amazon. So that was like my first foray into online business, and that was really fun. I just enjoyed doing it. You make money doing that? Yeah. Yeah, it was all right. I think it was like, I don't know what it would be now, but back in the day, it was something like 4%. Oh, yeah. So it's not a lot. It's only, you know, a dollar per book. Yeah, but numbers. So yeah. um, that was like my first foray into like that, but then... I uh, then just got involved in like I had several like construction based type businesses like I had a window cleaning business, a fire sprinkler business um, and then always other things on the side like back when like protein powder was really expensive here I'd import it by like the ton and sell it off in 20 kilo bags and stuff. So like, you're not worried about what it is that you have as a business it's just about you like the process of just operations. And I definitely enjoy it. Yeah. Like it I, doesn't matter what you've got though. Like, there you go. That's your product. You yeah. could sell that. Do you love, I, do you just love like, <laughs> like the game of the game? Yeah. Of it? Is it to a point? Yes. I mean, I don't know. I've done it a lot of times and I've just done all the all nighters and working seven days a week for no money for the first year or two. Like, so I guess I've done the hard yards that the fun has worn off slightly. Um, but that yeah, was like, fun though. That, well, yeah, it kind of was. So like right now, I, uh, you know, won the lottery or something or they banned jiu-jitsu and I couldn't get a normal job or something. But I had enough money that I didn't have to work. I would always start a new business and stuff. Yeah. Like, of course I would. It's interesting. It's fun. It's a challenge. It's blood. Like, yeah, I guess so. But, um, yeah, I think for me, it was always about, like, just following my passions. Like, I loved reading. That's why I had that first online book, the online business. The... Uh, the only business that I was in, which was the business I was in for so long that like took so much out of me, was I didn't love it. You know what I mean? I didn't love it. It was just an opportunity. Someone close to me that wanted to be an investment partner was like, you're the perfect person to run this. And uh, that was the only business that, although it taught me lots of lessons and it certainly makes me give thanks today to do what I want to do, uh, that was the only one that I would sort of like, I wouldn't do that. So I'd tell my kids now when they grow up, do what you want to do, mm. not what you think is going to be good money. It's a jail sentence really if you're doing something your whole life that you hate. Yeah. You're driving to work, you hate it. At work, you hate it. Driving home, you hate it. Mm. Yeah, like that's a strong metaphor, but it's pretty accurate. I know a lot of girls and guys that do live that life you just said. They live for the few hours of Netflix they have before yeah, bed. That's 70% of their life, just what they're doing and they hate. Yeah. Maybe more. Definitely. So for me, like, I think, yeah, you know, if you do what you love, you'll do it a lot. And if you do it a lot, you're going to get good at it. If you get good at it, you're going to have some sort of commercial offering that you're going to be able to do. If you're a yep. writer and you write all day, sooner or later, you're going to write well enough to publish your own stuff. Or in jiu-jitsu, for instance, teach jiu-jitsu and, you know, here we are. So I would just encourage my kids to just follow their dreams. Um, 
because heck you're going to have a happy life if you do that anyway like forget money like you're going to be happy i know a lot of people with a lot of money and no happiness and it's like a cliche and you always hear it yeah but it's true like i know decker millionaires who dislike their life and will tell you that openly yeah. you know what i mean yeah, yeah. so uh, I wouldn't mind the net worth of that, <laughs> but uh, I'd rather keep a good lifestyle. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, what was your first... Uh, so I'll share what my first business was, and I yeah. didn't really think about it until years later. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> I used to, uh, when I was in year 11 or year 10 or 11, I'd go to the morning to the canteen and I'd buy like this entire Sapo box of like, you know, lollies. The proper hustle. And then I'd like resell it for like a little bit more. And I didn't really, I don't know, I didn't grow up thinking I had a business mindset and obviously they eventually caught onto that and they this stopped letting biggie, me. This biggie, small <laughs> hustler guy. Uh, I mean, so I've, so I've known you for a long time now and you've definitely got that in you. Yeah, you yeah, know, from, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just hate a few things. I hate, outside of training things, I hate being told what to do. But I hated being, I was a terrible employee. Terrible employee. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's always been my big drive. What was your first business like? Um, what do you mean? Like, like what was your first little hustle? Because I... Oh, my first yeah, little your hustle. Yeah, fir- like the first hustle, yeah. Lemonade yeah. on yeah. the quarter, I yeah. reckon. No, not lemonade. Um, what would it have been? You know what it was, actually? This isn't a business, but what I used to do for money as a kid is like back in the day when we had our shopping carts, like our trolleys, and you had to put like, it started out at $2, <laughs> went to $1, then to 20 cents. But through those periods, I took a pay deduction as years went on. But uh, I would go around to the big shopping center near where my mother lived, which was a really well-to-do area. And I would just walk over to people when they're unpacking their shops and be like, excuse me, ma'am, like, could I please return your trolley and stuff? And they're like, no worries, you know, keep the $2. And so I would do that. Like when you're a kid and in just 10 minutes, you can go get like 20 trolleys and make 40 bucks like I soon learnt that that was a pretty sweet oh, deal like it. so that was a bit of a hustle as close as his Zappos hustle here <laughs> what about you, you I got you, nothing no, um, I got was nothing. the gym your first kind of like foray into business or I'm trying to think yeah because I've always had government jobs I've never really been too driven that way until I got a little bit older and went you know, I want to try and do something a bit different but that's a little plan in the process but Government jobs have a lot of perks, though. They like, I, I feel, well, you know, you say that. I think of you living the high life all the time, John. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel also John has had quite fun government jobs, to be fair. As yeah. Well. Like, he's yeah. taught you, people listen to this being like, oh, this poor guy stuck in some government <laughs> office. Like, yeah. His worst jobs. Yeah, you know, yeah. kicking doors down and shooting guns oh, yeah. isn't exactly the worst part of the day. <laughs> yeah, I'm happily trained for that job, you know, maybe a couple of days a week. <laughs> now um, what about uh, do you guys teach MMA here as well yes yeah uh, have you like gone into that much yeah like I mean I always I guess like for me jiu-jitsu was about like you know self-defense and stuff and then obviously like the UFC started by the Gracie family was to demonstrate that so that kind of led me into jiu-jitsu um, because I saw the success of the jiu-jitsu guys and everything I've always like I've you know strike since i was a kid i still spar every week on my feet and stuff i still get all the mma guys ready if they want to fight in the cage but ultimately for me like just wasn't the passion you know like if i could like fight mma and only spar against people i disliked or something i'd probably be more into it but i can grapple with someone and submit them and it's like i can do that in a kind manner but for me especially like as a coach like i'm sparring with my students like just punching them in the head like a lot it's not massively rewarding to me to be honest like it just isn't like again if you said here's a dodgy crackhead over there you know that's beating up his missus go spar with him i'll be like gladly but when it's your friends you know you get over it after a while once you get good at it at least i think like when it's punch for punch you're like screw you motherfucker like let's do this of course but after a while like jujitsu you can kind of play with people and uh yeah, so for me, I really liked it. We used to, where I started teaching jiu-jitsu in Adelaide, we used to have like open nights where you could come in and people would come in from different styles and just quote-unquote tough guys would come in and just like, you just put on like, like four-ounce UFC MMA-type gloves on and just punch on. It was like horrifically 
riddled with, you know, Fight lawsuit club. potential. Yeah, well, yeah. it was kind of just dodgy like that. And people were getting quite bad injuries. Over the years, I look back and I'll be like, whoa, that's like rough. Like that guy got hurt. But um, again, most of the time when I do that, even though I had a good striking background, even at that point, um, I would just like use jujitsu. Like I don't have that thing in me that wants to hurt people. Like, don't get me wrong, I have switches. And if you're, you know, if the time to go is time to go, like, yeah, I'm as down as the next guy. But with my friends and buddies, like just hurting nice guys that I have a lot in common with, not really that into it. I've always, I've always, um, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I mean, I think that's a thing that uh, maybe a lot of people really like about jiu-jitsu because you can, you know, go really hard, but you're not having to like literally beat the person up. And I think that's something that I always uh, admire and maybe... I don't understand a lot of time about professional MMA fighters. You know, sometimes they've got to fight their mates and I'm like, how are you doing that? Like, you're trying to crush them in there. Yeah, and I think to succeed at the high level of jiu-jitsu, you can be a nice guy nerd. But to succeed at the highest level of MMA and to endure those years and want, like, I'll probably get a lot of flack for saying this, but no fucks given. You've got to be a bit of a dickhead. You have to be a bit of a dick. You have to have that little bit in you, that malicious thing in you. Like, you just do. Like, I know lots of pro MMA fighters. Like, you know, like... And I think some guys can go in there with skill and then they win their first few fights. Like, I know a lot of guys like this in America and they were jiu-jitsu black belts. So they go in, they just submit guys real quick in their first few fights and they're like, I'm out of this. I'm done. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. I didn't get anything from winning. And then it's like, yeah, it probably isn't for you. But there are a lot of people, I think, that get attracted into MMA that have massive life problems, massive life problems. They could be real problems or more psychological problems, doesn't matter, but like they've got massive life problems and they need the escape that someone trying to punch you in the head is going to give them. And they need like, they need to get some aggression out and hurt someone. Like they need to do that. I think if you don't have that, you're not going to have a successful MMA career and stuff so and I think that's why like when we saw in professional mixed martial arts you saw guys who were really really good and then when they started the uh, PED testing and guys couldn't get away with what they used to be able to get away with guys fell apart and they lost completely their will to fight and they would just like curl up in a ball almost like because they lost that I don't know roid rage aggression or something they lost that they were still the same guy just probably almost as strong and fit and fast or whatever but they lost that like sense. And as soon as they lost that, they sucked, mm-hmm. you know? And a lot of our sports greats went down that path. Like the best guys we've seen in the last 20 years. I like, out of respect, I wouldn't name them, but it's pretty easy to work out who, who were the guys that were unbeaten by everyone, then beaten by everyone, you know? Yeah, it all yeah. came in at the same time for a lot of those fellas. Uh, I have a question for you about um, maybe what it takes to be good at jiu-jitsu. So I find that jiu-jitsu is, is really there's this juxtaposition between you need it it beats it beats your ego right like you come in you get humbled by it because you know it's uh, such a it's such a chess game right yeah but then what i've noticed is to be good at it you also need enough ego to think that you can get better at it does that make sense yeah so i guess and ego is that really weird word some people view that word as like horrible some people view that word as like just a description of your conscious self i mean there's a certain point where you have to have a certain amount of confidence. I wouldn't say ego. So you certainly have to have confidence in your own abilities and a want to improve for you, not for others or to beat Bob on the mat, but just for you, you know, get better for you. So I think ego doesn't really have a place on the jiu-jitsu mats, but does a want for you to be your best self come out on the mats? Well, if that's ego, then you should have one. I don't know. I like that quote by, I know he's not the most popular bloke on the planet uh, right now, but, you know, Donald Trump has a funny quote in one of his books that I read when I was a kid, and I always remember it. And it was, you show me the person with no ego, and I'll show you a loser. And, <laughs> and I, it's like very <laughs> Donald Trump-ish. Isn't it however, just? However, I actually think there's some truth in it. I think there's so much truth in it. Now, yeah, clearly, he yeah. might need to just buffer his back by a few notches. However... I do think there is truth in that. Sometimes, like, I've, I made the mistake in here, um, like, years ago, 
And I would go like, I'm going to let people tap me out every class. So I'll let my upper ranks or whatever, I'll let them get a tap on me, you know, and they'll know that I was just being nice and that will let them see that they can tap and it's not all about winning. And what I found was not only was that not super conducive for my own jujitsu, but... (laughs) Those guys, whether they were white belts or blue belts or purple belts, they believed that they were tapping me out. Like their ego automatically assumed that. And that's crazy to me. So you see, I don't do that like anymore. Like I might be nice and let you do something, but I'm not going to let that because I saw people's egos just Mm -hmm. swallow it and go, oh, I I can beat a back belt. All right. Uh -uh. Uh Uh-uh. Yeah. But, you know, it's just one of those things. Like, uh, so I think you have to have a certain amount. You can't be this egoless mother Teresa. Like, we're trying to strangle each other to death, you know. Well, not to death, but, you know. Yeah, no, no. We're trying to strangle each other and break each other's bodies apart. There has to be a certain amount of, like, let's go. I back me. You back you. But being a good loser, like, that's a good sign. It's hard, though. Well, for you, this guy over here. If you're competitive (laughs) in nature. Yeah. It's hard sometimes. Like, yeah. I'm, I've got better at it in this sport, but yeah. Well, when we roll after, I'm going to make sure I <laughs> give him a few lessons of humility right. there. Just tap him out a few times. <laughs> John taps too many people out no, now. I don't think so. so. I've got a couple of questions. Oh, here we go. Right. These can be short ones, though. Um, so, if you weren't a BJJ coach and you could do anything, yeah. what would you do? Uh, two things, I would say. That's just one. Number one. I'd be the guy that joins Sapol, wants to be a star group guy. Obviously, yep. something that yep. is fun. So this is the five-year-old boy in me. So I did two career posters when I was a kid. One was about being a star group police officer. And the other one was about being a commando back when, you know, they had the Special Forces Direct Recruitment Scheme yep, for yep, our yep. army. Maybe they still have it. But going into the infantry, commando, SAS or something like that. Um, now that I have had a lot to do with like first tier operators in America also some here but a lot in America through the SEAL community and other things I um, I'm kind of like a, oh yeah I think I would have enjoyed that a little mm. bit like I'm sure my personality would have come out different but I, I'm friends with a lot of them we think a lot the same so I think I could have done both of those jobs Still time. Um, yeah, this is what this guy always tells me. Still time. He's going to try to take yeah. over this gym, so then I <laughs> swap jobs. Hey, you're a busy man. But, I, uh, but obviously, I do shoot guns a lot in my life. Like, I love shooting and stuff. Because so, it's guy. no... Well, you know, I'm a gun owner. I'm a responsible <laughs> gun owner. Let's not call me a crazy guy. How many gun guns guy do you have? Here. I don't have that many guns. <laughs> I have... Compared to your American mates, you don't. To, I have less than 10, all right? So, <laughs> crazy gun guy. So, yeah, more than five, less than <laughs> the 10. crazy cat woman, <laughs> you're the crazy gun guy. But, you know, I just enjoy it. It's just fun. So, like, that's a big reason why I got into shooting. I, yeah, obviously, it's fun. I do it in the States a lot, too. But for me, like, in jiu-jitsu, I've got people in front of me, people close to me, a lot of contact. When I'm on the range, no one's in front of me, no one's around me, no one's talking to me. It's me and that gun and having fun. Mm-hmm. So I really like that. It's a very uh, polar opposite to teaching jiu-jitsu for a living. But again, a lot of it comes from just the you know five-year-old boy yeah. that used to camo up his face and run around my local park and hide and like ambush people with cap guns. Now you'd probably get charged for that. Man, I, I'm telling you right now, I used to just like watch movies and like I'd fully camo out made this like little ghillie suit type thing and I'd just try to like stalk people on grass and just nowadays <laughs> so you guys hear this and you're like we better report this guy yeah. um, but I, I loved it that was what I thought I would do for a living yeah. I always wanted to help people and uh, so like if you ask my mother she would have been like he'll be a vet a doctor or he'll be like a soldier or something yep. that he wants to be cool good answer mate and um where do you see BJJ in two to three years? Uh, I think in two to three years, we're going to see the emphasis go back to gi jiu-jitsu. Like, yeah. no gi jiu-jitsu had this uh, big run over the last few years while people realized heel hooks and stuff were good and butterfly guard was good and, like, just basic things that old school guys already <laughs> knew. But I think now that that's, like that's going to run its course. We'll see BJJ go back much more into the gi 
and um, and I think BJJ is just always going to be that thing that gives you more than just fighting ability. So I, I think martial arts give you a lot, you know, like discipline, fitness, camaraderie, whatever, all that stuff. But I do think jiu-jitsu is special. Like, I don't think you can change a bad man into a good man with jiu-jitsu, but I think you can change a person without confidence, without a lot of happiness in their life, discipline mm. in life, and you can add that. So I think jiu-jitsu will kind of occupy a space kind of like surfing does in that people do it because they enjoy it and it balances their life. No one cares if you surf better than me. I don't care what your score is on your wave. You do it because you enjoy it and it gives you a bit of fitness and some fun in the water, lets you be more chilled out at work. I think jiu-jitsu will fall into that area, which I like. Like that's what I like jiu-jitsu for. Sure, it lets you choke out some crackhead on the street, but <laughs> how many of those people are you choking out? Unless you're doing that for a job, you know. Yeah, I kind of see it a little bit like CrossFit because I come from that scene. I'm not from the surfing scene, but similar because it's open to everyone. Like it doesn't matter who does it. It's not designed for a specific group. And um, the life skills that you learn from jiu-jitsu is similar, I think, to CrossFit. Like you can learn lots of cool things that will help your life. Um, do you think it's pretty similar to CrossFit? Like uh, not the actual, obviously, what you're doing, but the culture? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, th I see. You know, I think you and I have had this discussion a few times, but the similarities, there's, there's so many of them. And I think um, if anyone's listening to this and you do either sport, like, you should, um, you know, try the other sport out just because yeah. um, there's so many there's so many traits. I think I think jiu-jitsu, I think in general people are becoming more fit and becoming more aware of yeah. their health. So I definitely think it's, it's going to... Um, take up a bigger part of people's lives in the way that health and fitness is in general uh, but I think if um, I think what I really like about Nogi is that it in some in a little way it's broken into the mainstream a little bit more I think yeah. maybe because it's probably a little bit easier to she can relate to it and it's yeah. faster paced like that's why it's had its little resurgence type thing um, again Nogi's good I love Nogi you know like I compete a lot Nogi um I love it, but I love the gi too, you know, like I There's have no both. preference. Yeah. Well, if I had to choose one, I would choose the gi yeah. without doubt. Like, cause I can do everything I can do. No gi in the gi. Yeah. Like back in the day, we used to hill hook in the gi. No questions asked. We'd do it yeah. to white belts, but <laughs> different times. <laughs> but in no gi, I can't do everything in the gi. Yeah. So I think, okay, you imagine we get a guy in here who's like, I lift heavy weight, you know, like he, you know, this guy may not be the smartest guy, but he's a strong guy. He's going to love Nogi. You get now a guy who's like a nerd. So you get a NASA engineer in here who weighs, you know, 50 kilos, 110 pounds. He's going to do real well in the gi. I think the Nogi will teach him, though, to be tough, to teach him to go for stuff, teach him to scramble. And the gi will teach the, you know, <laughs> caveman, the Neanderthal guy. The gi will teach the caveman like patience and planning and accountability because you can't just like rip out and hope for the best. So That's I always, look, yeah, it? like I think they both give to each other. And I mean, we live in freaking Australia. Like, do gi in the winter and no gi in the summer. <laughs> like, I don't know why every gym on the planet doesn't do it. <laughs> like, I'm just, you know what I mean though? Like, come on, dress for the occasion. Like, <laughs> I don't yeah. want to do no gi when it's freezing. Yeah. Like, I'm cold. I feel like I'm going to get injured. And I don't want to be in my gi when it's 40 degrees. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Yeah. Like, straight up. I'm like... So, uh, that's, that's just me. Yeah, cool. Um, what's, uh, what's next for you? Uh, what's, what's the next plans? I mean, well, I, uh, before corona, I was traveling over a few months a year in the U.S. So, I teach a lot of seminars. I would learn a lot from uh, my coach and training partners. Um, and uh, and obviously compete too at like Gi, Nogi Worlds and stuff. So like I was doing a lot of that. Um, then when Corona hit, our academy was shut down three and a half months with COVID like legislation. So we um, all of our Jiu-Jitsu gyms in our state obviously were closed for, yeah, three and a half months total of 2020. So I had really nothing to do. Um, I was ready to go sign up, be a cop or something. Like military would post me away from my children, so I couldn't do that. But I was ready to, I have, I had it up on my phone, all ready to go. So you kind of thought this was going to be it? Well, like I, it? I thought like COVID might last for years and yeah. like jujitsu's gone. Yeah. So like, what am I going to do? Just wait until I can't make my mortgage repayment because my savings run out? 
Like, that's what I thought I'd get to. Like, maybe not straight away, but after a couple of years. And uh, so for me, I guess that shifted my focus onto my academy because I couldn't travel. I couldn't compete and stuff. So my body should have stopped probably competing a couple of years ago, if I'm being honest. Like, um, it's funny if you look at some of the pictures from my, like, and I still always won more than I lost and stuff competing, but... The, how strapped up I was and like what my doctors would tell me about what's going to happen if I compete, which nothing really bad happened, you know, mm. but it's yeah. I, more injuries don't happen in jiu-jitsu. Well, I agree. If you think of, we're trying <laughs> yeah. to basically yeah. each other with, yeah. So uh, for me, like longevity wise, I want to make sure I can provide a, a financial future for my children and the people that depend on me. So to put effort back into my academy, I felt was the honourable thing to do. So like I've had enough time in the sun and I'm not saying I'm done competing or anything, but for me, it's like all about my academy and my students and my, my children now, you know, like that's what drives me every day. And when I see like we had a tournament last weekend and um, our adults and our kids that get their gold medals and stuff and like that brings joy to my heart. But like, I like competing because it's, like, fun challenge and stuff. But um, if I lose first round or win gold at a big tournament, it's just, I, I'm neutral. There's no difference in it. I'm completely, it, which is sad to say in some ways. It's good when you lose because you don't take it personally. Yeah, yeah. But when you win and you're like, yeah. So that's, I think, when I knew it was, like, probably time to, probably time to shift my focus. When I stopped caring if I won or I lost. Mm. You know, so if the winds were still good, I'd still keep going. Yeah. And what happens in the, because I suppose we're quite new to it, so I don't know what happens with the progression, but like once you, do you just stay as a black belt teaching your class or are you letting the other black belts that come through? Like what happens as you progress? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, to me, it would always be about doing what's best for the academy. Yeah. So like as young athletes come through, I'm always trying to develop the coaches here. You know what I mean? I remunerate my coaches. I give them all their free training and stuff like so i want to develop them on the mats because i mean i'm already teaching every day but like we can see the schedule in front of us here there's like mm. 25 sessions on a week so it's like i can't take all of those and i want that 25 sessions to be 40 sessions within a couple of years so as our first black belts because i'm yet to grade a black belt you know what i mean and uh so as my first black belts come through the ranks then certainly like having established classes that their own will be a plan, but I'll always be teaching as well. I'm not yeah. turning my back on my academy and my students. Like they've come here, they've done the yards. I'm not going to be like, see you guys, I'm out. You know, like I'm as loyal to them as they are to me. So I'll always be teaching, but hopefully maybe the 5.30 a.m. <laughs> sessions and some of the 9 yeah, p.m. Definitely. sessions that maybe take me away from my children more than I'd like when I've got custody of them. Um, I would just have other coaches take. So I would definitely, I want new blood to come through and I want young guys to come through and I want people with different physical body types to come through and ages to come through and coach at the academy because it's not about replacing me. I'll stay in the schedule. They're going to be added to the schedule. Yeah. So then my members get more and they get a chance to teach because there are some people that are just teachers in jiu-jitsu. So like the best teachers in jiu-jitsu tend to be that. They're yeah. not the world champion guys. In oh, fact, yeah, to be honest, when I learned from world champions, it's weird. It would just be like the best, say, uh, pistol shooter in the world, me taking my pistol to him and getting to strip it back and machine it up and stuff like that. It's probably the worst guy. You want the 80-year-old yeah, yeah. gunsmith guy that's been doing it all his life. Okay, he might be a better shot than average, but he's not a professional traveling the world. That's who you take your gun to. Likewise, with jiu-jitsu, People, they tend to gravitate towards the competitive side and it is, it's an important part of it, but that has nothing to do with your ability to teach. Mm. And I soon learned that by doing a lot of seminars with world champions and stuff. You know, you're like, oh my God, you're amazing. And you're also completely unable to do a good job as a yeah. coach. It's a different job. Yeah, of course. It's a totally different job. <laughs> yeah. Did you find that in CrossFit? Coaching. Like that good athletes don't necessarily make good coaches? hundred percent. Really? Most so of the time. Yeah. It's just because they're so focused on themselves or sometimes they've they're got such a good natural ability that they don't really know how to explain that. They just do it. Because they have, they didn't yeah, have to learn got, it. Yeah. yeah, they did it. And I think that's probably, that's well said. I think John yeah. hit the nail on the head. They never had to learn it and get taught by it so they can't teach it to others because they were just doing it from day one. Yeah, yeah. They're just, they're just freakish people that um, 
you know, have that ability to just do it but not teach it. And, you know, through the years that I've always, you know, most of the jobs I've had, there's been a bit big instructor role, not from me, but I've always had mentors. And usually those guys aren't the best shots or the best operators, but they're just, they just have an ability to explain things. And again, I'm not trying to blow shit up you, but you have that ability. <laughs> it doesn't matter expert. if you're a white belt or a black belt, it, it gets explained to everyone. You know, like sometimes you might have to explain something to the black belts or, or we don't have black belts here, but purple belts or blue belts. And then you'll explain it different to the white belts. But you've got an ability to just word it up so everyone knows what, yeah. what it's, what's happening. And I definitely think from my personal perspective, I always felt like I was more talented as a coach than a competitor. Like I consider myself a good, like world-class black belt competitor, but I don't consider myself like some amazing guy. Like there are amazing, amazing yeah. people. Um, but yeah, so I think when I realized that my passion and skill set were for teaching, it was easy to do that. Like I wanted to do that. I, it's just in me. I just want to help people, you know? Um, and I think, yeah, teaching, like being a good coach, like that's going to help drive an academy. And if you look at a lot of world champions come up under guys who are amazing coaches, of course, surprise, surprise, you know? Um, but if you look at a lot of the most revered coaches, so if we look within Australia, we'd see John Will, and if we look internationally right now, we might see John Danaher. Both, obviously an Australian and a Kiwi, but the Kiwi living in the US. But both of those guys have not once had one competitive BJJ match in yeah. their life. Not one. Not they did it and they didn't like... Not one. Either of them. Ever. Once. Yeah. That's crazy. But I also think that it's indicative of the fact that they knew their role. I was always a guy that knew my role as a coach ever since I started teaching back in like 2006 or something. However... I was also wanting to be like that. It's like a non-commissioned officer in the military. Like I still wanted to lead from the front, you know? So I'm like, if I'm telling you guys to compete or it's okay to lose, like I want to go out and lose or win in front of you guys, you know? So I think I, I competed for those reasons. I didn't compete yeah. for me. That was the I same when I was doing CrossFit. Like I feel that exactly right. If you're at the, at the front of the class, you've got to be the pinnacle of what people are trying to get to. So when I was in my gym, it's a lot of pressure because, you know, when you're doing comps, you want to back your brand. You know, you are your brand. So, yeah, it's a, it's a hard role to juggle. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, some people do juggle both and they're a decent competitor and they're a decent coach. I'm yet to see a remarkable coach that's also a competitor in any way. And I think when Corona hit and I was forced to take my competitive hat off uh, and just let a couple of injuries, you know, um, heal up and stuff, I, uh, I did a much better job, you know. And you could review that by the smiles on the faces or the numbers on my mats or my financial books or whatever. But you can see I'm doing a better job now because surprise, surprise, you're giving it yourself focus. If you're trying to be a vet, you know, and a professional football player at the same time, you're not going to be the best football player or vet you can be. You just do one, you're going to do a lot better. I mean, it's pretty simple, really. Yeah. You know, allocation of resources. Stick to, <laughs> stick to plan A. I stick think, to plan A. That's a good I point. Think, um, I think that's a good place to finish it. Uh, thank you very much for coming on board today, Tom. Man, it's awesome. If Thanks for having me out here. It's been fun chatting with you, lads. Uh, if you, if people want to find you, where can they do so? Well, my academy's in Seaford, South Australia. And uh, online, what's my Instagram handle? I don't know, at Tom Davey BJJ, something like that. I unfollowed, so. Unfollowed, yeah. <laughs> I put some pretty provocative images. If you're not comfortable with full frontal yeah. nudity, you might not want to follow that There's one. There's some filters. <laughs> but I'm not really massive on the social media uh, type stuff, to be honest. Obviously, on my YouTube channel, The Grappling Academy, um, that's definitely an easy How's that place going? to find me. Good. I think we're ticking over to 100K? like 100,000 subscribers this week. So we'll get our little uh, plaque. Little you know what? I feel really bad saying this. I've been watching that for a long time. Never subscribed. But I did the other day. Oh, we're not like friends. I know. <laughs> I was uh, robbing him. He's trying to blow all the smoke up you. It's yeah, exactly. Because I haven't subscribed. <laughs> yeah, He's I trying see to make up for it. Non -subscribe. <laughs> well, 90% of people that watch the channel aren't subscribed. Yeah, so. it's, a, it's a bummer, isn't it, sometimes? No, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I just no, want I this little block. I don't know. It's my ego. Oh, have you got it? No, well, I want it. Is Should that what you get for 100K? 100,000. You get your little silver play button all plucked up. So I'm going to put it in here. Then what's the next one? A million? A million. And then One the next one's 10 million. <laughs> but you know what's It's weird? like a belt. <laughs> yeah, like 10 million. There's only two channels that have got there or whatever, right? I think. And 
I think Joe Rogan and that PewDiePie one. But like they've they've been around for forever, yeah. and everyone knows them. And but the, why do they only have a hundred times the subscribers of me? They should have ten million times the subscribers. Yeah. Of me. The richest dude on the planet has much more than a hundred times my net worth. So for the channel's done quite well. So I'm going to keen to throw a big party and yeah, yeah, thank all the students and everyone who's been part of it. I'd like to see more on it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll put you on there. Yeah. <laughs> 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 all right, guys. We'll call it a day there. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks Cody. Take care.